0: Everyone um, and welcome back to Art and Labor, um, we're a podcast that was founded for art workers about the ongoing struggle to survive um, as art and/or cultural workers. Um, I'm OK Fox, joined uh, by Sarah Crow, hey my guys, co-host, and special guest, returning guest Sam Lefebvre. Hi, Sam. It's so great to have you back. Um, You've written this great three-part piece um, for The Lab. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about The Lab.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, so The Lab's like a long-standing alternative art space in San Francisco that um, like primarily presents uh, performance and um, including... By artists who have, you know, sort of six month to year long kind of residencies where, you know, they have a lot of latitude and kind of autonomy around what they do with the space. Um, And so I had a residency of sorts um, the past six months to work on this piece um, and, you know, continue some of the research that it shows. and uh, yeah, now it's the whole all three pieces, all three parts, as you said, are are online, and it's also going to come out in a sort of print pamphlet.
0: That's great. Would love to get a hand on that pamphlet when it's out. And you know, the piece is called "A Generous Gift: Museums, Financial Finance Capital, and the Clash of Cultural Workers and Collector Trustees." Um, and the four, the three parts are bubbles in the boardroom hedge funds with art, and the balance of power. Um, and last time you were on, you talked to, uh, with us about um, museum financialization stuff. I, I wonder if it was for Hyperallergic. I don't remember. Um, but, you know, longtime listeners of Art and Labor are already familiar with your your work. But I, I don't know if you want to summarize some of the points. I, I know we kind of want to dive into the third part, uh, most of all, because I just feel like everyone who listens to Art and Labor we're returning champs. We've been on this tick for a couple of years. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I can give kind of you know just an overview of the piece, um, you know, pretty succinctly. I mean, the uh, the first part, um, I kind of try to locate museums and really kind of the development of global capitalism, and try to elucidate kind of the the class composition of U.S. museum boards. Um, Kind of touches on the like anti-communist and counter-insurgent character of like the greater nonprofit sector like historically in the u.s and then um you know and then i, I sort of belabor this point that you know i don't think will will we'll be controversial for art and labor listeners but um just the idea that you know philanthropy is commercial secrecy uh you know collector trustees receive you know real definite benefits in exchange for donations. And so I try to kind of categorize them a little bit. And I introduce some kind of novel terms to talk about them, like the plaque, uh, the rebate, the pump. And then, um, yeah, and then at the end of the first part, I I kind of introduce um, this theme that kind of runs throughout about, um, you know, where does this leave the culture worker? What is the relationship between the culture worker and museums, you know, ruling coalition. Um and then the second part really focuses on museum endowments. Um kind of two aspects of them, I would say. Uh the way that they're sort of invested in property markets, um, the way museums kind of play the bank to enterprising landlords. Um, in other words, you know, they place endowment mm-hmm. funds in uh, With sort of private equity style real estate development firms Um, and I illustrate that and I can get into this in more detail but um, I illustrate that kind of through my own neighborhood uh, downtown Oakland figure out which museums are kind of backing the development of luxury apartments like down the street from here Um, and then the other part of that uh, that is um, focused on (laughs) Uh, collector trustees who are, whose financial, whose firms, um, you know, receive, uh, you know, are basically paid to manage these endowments. And I focus on one kind of particularly kind of outrageous example of that in in Houston. Um, Mm -hmm. And then the third part is, yeah, kind of more explicitly addressed to, uh, you know, uh, new upstart kind of museum unionists or anti-capitalist culture workers and sort of takes some of the research I did and um, thinks about how to, um, how to sort of organize towards agitational and solidaristic kind of ends um, from that position within the museum.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for that really uh, great summary yeah um been reading these pieces as they've come out um obviously um but it's 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 really helpful to 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 hear it all together like that cuz you 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 lay out a lot of um really concise um points uh whereas like i think a lot of the times um pieces about um endowments or museum financializations often fall into the like extremely neoliberal trap of like oh we just need to invest better right. <laughs> um,
2: no i mean we I just it's, need to it's whatever. like uh it's it's a good like three-headed uh serpent um <laughs> in in that like a lot of times a pe- i think it's like a really good uh they're basically that, that these are like distinct topics on their own meriting their own articles, but they do all work. So like closely together in tandem to create, like what we think of as just like the the whole economy around museum and cultural workers. So, um, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What would you say to people
0: who like come to the conclusion of like, um, Oh yeah, we just need to invest differently.
1: Um, you know, I, I mean, I think the the thing that I would talk about to, to someone who uh, you know is kind of earnestly advocating for that is the way that um, you know the you know the 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 sort of um, the philanthropy managers, the investment managers, um, they're kind of ahead of us on that in the sense that they're already kind of anticipating critical attention, turning to museum endowments in light of the way we've had so much critical attention on the source of wealth of uh, mm-hmm. collector trustees. Mm-hmm. And um, they are... Uh,
2: Preemptively uh, maneuvering, like, yeah. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, like it's, it's easy. It's like even this does go into kind of a critique of like maybe even singling out particular board members like like the Warren Canders protest was ex- mm-hmm. extremely effective of getting that one board member off but was it like does it maintain a legacy of ultimately dismantling boards and does it obfuscate the extensive evils of the board members that remain Um, and has there been any sort of equity attempted to get um, say a worker on the board or um, in any of these, in any of these institutions. uh, I'd love to hear about it if it's happened. Um, I try to keep on top of things, but ever since I had to take two jobs, it's been harder to keep up.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally.
0: But I, I haven't heard of any. I haven't heard of any such case, even with like, um. I yeah, I work for a nonprofit right now. Um, that is ostensibly for, um, to help, uh, less fortunate, uh, downwardly mobile or poor LGBTQ people. But it is in the board is staffed entirely with people with multiple homes, like you know, we're very well off. Um, like and that's every single like nonprofit that I've ever heard of there's not like parti like there's not like participants or workers of of these services or or workers of these museums on boards
1: mm-hmm. yeah um yeah i mean there's no like uh my piece, there's no like proposal for like amelior- ameliorating policies that, you know, I think art workers should sort of uh, urge like the current, um, you know, set of museum executives and board members to implement, right? Um, I think, you know, art workers should instead be sort of organizing and, and building power um, and, you know, the thing about the ameliorative policies is like we have, um, things like, uh, what they call ESG investments, um, is like a huge buzzword kind of in the finance industry and sort of within the museum realm, there's this other thing called impact investing. And so these are kind of like discursive maneuvers for, you know, current executives and current board members to um, kind of burnish the reality of the way that museums are enmeshed in global financial markets. And what I think we should be doing instead is trying to illuminate the effects of that enmeshment and, you know. Build power to be able to, you know. Um,
0: that could ultimately supplant a board entirely. <laughs> yeah, or... yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> no real reform. I, that, that's like, my, my main point is like, it's like if we're asking for like a reformist demand, like remove this one person from the board, uh, why even like, yeah, why even bother doing that when like ultimately we know, we, we all, yeah, we ultimately have to supplant this entire thing. Um.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think, like, um, you know, a lot of the, the framing with the campaigns against individual board members is, like, um, kind of centers on the idea of reputation laundering, right, Um, where, the board members using kind of a share of their profits from whatever sort of, you know, pernicious business activity they're engaged in uh, to kind of enhance their, their social standing. And what I want to sort of bring out with the analysis of endowments in this piece is that um, museums aren't only kind of symptomatic of these like um, you know the pernicious effects of these global financial markets or whatever they're actually driving all of the same things um, mm-hmm. via via their investments and that's a lot harder to see for a lot of ways that uh, that the piece get into um, but if we uh, but we but it shouldn't be lost in the emphasis on individual trustees yeah
0: yeah um... Absolutely. I mean, looking at, I mean, I feel like we're, we're, we're just like, kind of getting into the like, um, well, how, how do we build this power? And like, you know, your, your third installment, um, like makes, uh, some quibbles about like what it, like what an artist strike would mean. And, um, I was wondering if you wanted to get into that a little more um, because uh, you disagree with maybe Ben Davis or like people who who would say that artists are disalienated um, from their labor. Um, which I, I don't think that's exactly what Ben Davis is saying, but um, I, uh, I, 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 I do want to hear you talk more about
1: it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I mean, maybe, maybe I can talk a little bit more about like the the really concrete stuff in that section, yeah. and then and then and then get into what what, what you're asking about here, because I think it, it kind of grounds the discussion. Um, yeah, I mean, my sort of main point in the piece um, as insofar as it's addressed to museum unionists, people thinking about organizing in the culture sector is that um, my main point is around the limitations of organizing narrowly for wages and benefits. And the reason that, um, you know, those, uh, that the struggles need to be political and, um, you know, that, the culture workers' interest in this institution is not only sort of quantitative in terms of the wage, um, but also so qualitative. And to the example that I, I kind of harp on to try to make this point is that um, you know museums are heavily invested in property markets, meaning money from these endowments is given to private equity style real estate developers and in this situation um, the uh, endowments like condition institutional growth on the stability of the financial markets that are driving housing costs right yeah. so yeah. it's
0: it, inextricably linked
1: yeah yeah and so in that situation you know what is a raise uh, a raise is conditioned on, you know the rent going up right so if um you know museum unionists aren't agitating around um, you know how these museums are invested um it's uh it's it's ultimately
0: that raise it it it, you're actually making a material argument because that's that's like something i was going to point to as a potential pitfall is because at a certain point it becomes counterintuitive like even if artists even if there are artists that are just like um that aren't um that are alienated from their labor and uh can be conv- like there there has to be a material co- uh, uh argument for them to participate in a strike because for now the 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 artist who is struggling and and actually not um disalienated from their labor act- actually like needs to sell their work which is a product of their labor to um uh you know uh collectors who will then put it into a museum um is the they need the the money they need the money that they get from that collector um but if if there is a way to frame the argument where it's like this money might feel like money um and maybe it is um money but in the future it won't be money when you uh, can no longer uh, afford your studio, cannot make work, uh, you know is are displaced um, every couple of years, can't make a new body of work, can't um, you know uh, get another show, um, and you know then have to go do other types of work that isn't that is no longer. Um, maybe a preferable type of work, which is making paintings or making sculpture or um, uh, being a, a poet. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: totally. I mean, like the, the, uh, the composition of like U S museum boards, I think is really telling, right. Cause it's like overwhelmingly um, finance and real estate executives and, I guess like my point with this piece is like if you're a part of the kind of rentier class that's like dependent on the sort of the um, kind of remote most remote strata of like the asset economy like um, the way these art institutions are structured works really well for you right like um, it advances and kind of maintains your interests and those interests of this, um, kind of rentier kind of asset invested class, um, run directly against like, uh, you know, the interests of people who pay rent, um, people who are wage laborers. And, um, you know, that's where kind of the question of power comes in, right? Um, because, uh, I think so long as the you know, composition of people in power in the art world kind of is what it is. Um, then, you know, uh, we're we're not really gonna those antagonisms like aren't gonna meaningfully shift.
2: Yeah, and I I don't think you're saying because uh, I mean I think it is a really good point to say like your power as even I mean this is kind of skipping maybe <laughs> to the to the third the end of the third piece but. Uh, increasing your power as a worker at the expense of decreasing your power as a renter um, could be kind of, that can be applied to basically any job, you know, or any kind of, like as a critique of unions, um, it's sometimes hard to balance, like, yes, we need unions, but we can't necessarily see unions as the total answer to all of this, because the money that we want more access to is created through unjust means, um, yeah. But it's also can't we can yeah. we
0: uh, apply that in a third worldist uh, <laughs> <laughs> tank and apply it to like a, a lot of um, jobs in um, the heart of uh, empire? Um, oh yeah, under yeah, yeah. I mean, but under it's, the it's the like... union of the United States of America. Yeah,
2: exactly. Um, well,
0: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can, right? I mean, and, and so then. It, yeah. It, but it's just feels like such a hard sell to tell people like,
2: Hey, this thing um, that you don't even have a union, it's not good. Yeah. And you don't want to be, <laughs> you don't want to be the people trying to hand out pamphlets at a, at a strike being like your union sucks. <laughs> like they hate you actually. <laughs> like-
0: or like you could be like, a, like, I think it maybe is more effective to be, I know I'm, like, doing so much, like, game theory, but it's, like, what else am I going to do, like, at this point? If I've already, like, I've processed these arguments for so many years at this point that I'm, like, I want to just keep skipping to the end. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) I'm, like, I guess it's, like, a caucus in the union or some
2: shit. Yeah, (laughs) no, it's it's about increasing rank and file ownership for sure, which you talked about. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think this piece is addressed to people who are like organizing in a union context and have their own critique of business unionism. Yeah, and and are and are trying to overcome that. Um, so it's not at all about like dunking on unions or whatever. It's about um, trying to develop like a more political and mm-hmm. sort of mil- militant tendency, like within the new unionism. Totally, there
0: must be a way to like. Condense like the shit that that like, pe- like that like I've I feel like I've learned over the past like couple of years about like like say like the history of like UFT here in New York where it, it starts out a certain radical posture and then it just gets sucked out and sucked out and sucked out into the fucking UFT that we're stuck with now, which is like actively um making their members' material conditions worse, um, and that's you know. That's just one of many such cases. It's um, it's it's the way. Uh, I mean, Daddy Lennon taught us that would this would go, and um. yeah. <laughs> it, doesn't
2: it suck when uh, it, people give you solutions to problems a hundred years ago? Um. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: I don't know. I don't know but Sorry, I'm just like I'm not even framing this as a question. I'm just like <laughs> go.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I I guess maybe maybe I could like um talk a little bit about about how this connects to my neighborhood. Um totally. because oh, yes. I, I guess like this this research uh, really, the second installment focus on focuses on this, but um you know this research kinda came to life um for myself um when I when I decided, oh well how how do I connect it to like what I see every day. Um And so, you know, I said like museums kind of play bank to enterprising landlords and to kind of give like an example of what I mean by that, um, you know, there's a new uh you know big old luxury uh, apartment building in downtown oakland it's called atlas and it has you know there's there's they have these in all the cities now right there's underground parking Mm -hmm. there's a concierge to receive like your uber eats delivery uh there's all these you know they're very very typical of like the antisocial character of kind of market hate, market rate housing production and like urban centers now. Mm-hmm. Um, so the developer, it's called Carmel Partners, right? And so as a part of, of kind of, you know, it's, it's work in, in Oakland, Um, you know, they get like the most reactionary lobbyist in town who opposes even the weak kind of affordable housing requirements that officials have set up that, that opposes, you know, all of these taxes that would support like public education. So this real craven kind of ghoulish lobbyist. And then they install um, one of their executives on, the Business Improvement District downtown, which is this, you know, quasi-governmental sort of body of, of landlords who um, are able to to sort of siphon tax revenue and then hire private security that's accountable only to them, right? So this developer is coming in. It's this kind of textbook example of this kind of um, institutional driver of, of gentrification that, you know, has... Um, this real kind of carceral kind of pro-police effect on, on public space. And so, um, you know, so I, I looked around at, at the, the developments, um, that were being done by what I keep calling private equity style developers. And what I mean by that is like, just developers that raise money from institutional investors, which is like, pension funds, museums, universities, sovereign wealth funds. Um, and then, um, you know, I, I, I went and I found the names of some of these developers funds themselves, either through like, uh, their websites or through trade publications. And then, um, I went to the, um, ProPublica has a it's non nonprofit explorer tool, which I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with. And there's like an advanced search function where you can search like the full text of nonprofits' tax returns. And so I looked up the names of these funds, and um, you know it gave me back this, in some cases, really really long lists. And I went through and I found all the all the art all the art institutions. And that's how I realized that, um, you know, the Getty is financing, um, you know, the construction of antisocial luxury apartments in my neighborhood by developers who are, um, you know, increasingly surveilling and, um, you know, pushing private security of public space, like in my neighborhood. Right. Um, right. and that's, I think like, I, I, well, first of all, I, I, I kind of got into the weeds there of how I did that because I really, I think anyone can do this. Um, it's pretty straightforward. And it's like to Oakland, uh, we don't have like big ass museums. Like, uh, we don't have really, um, big philanthropies, um, the biggest mm-hmm. arts organizations in Oakland are just like minuscule compared to San Francisco or any other major city. So it's like, I think if you live in like New York or LA, like you can look at the the, the shed or the Broad and like- yep. the and people have. And, um, yeah. yeah. And Yeah, and like the, and you can see really clearly like how those- are like, you in know,
0: yards.
1: yeah, how mm-hmm. it's a part of these, huge gentrifying projects or whatever. But like in my neighborhood, you know, the arts are among the institutional drivers of gentrification in this kind of obscured way. Um, that I think if we, if we bring out through some of this kind of research, which can mm-hmm. be done by, uh, you know, museum workers, museum unionists, then it really opens up, you um, points of kind of solidarity and Mm -hmm. coalitional counterforce and it's going to lead some of these culture workers into um you know organizing across sectors and maybe realizing that oh my power rests uh more in organizing with a tenant as a tenant in some situations than it does um through organizing like as you know, an artist or someone in the arts?
2: Well, I mean, I I think what's, uh, or as both can be fantastic. I mean, I've been thinking a lot about, um, about strikes lately. Um, and you know, they, because of the, you know, Roe v. Wade stuff, um, that whole thing, (laughs) um, that whole situation, (laughs) um, but that like what kneecaps so much of the American left is um, our inability to really have a, a big strikes because, I mean, we've had all of our unions completely destroyed, which is why even if even if like the union is advocating for like, Uh, wage increases that are dependent on like exploitation of labors, you know, they're still useful because like that is, that is like the easiest way for workers to organize themselves is through unions and also cross pollinate with other unions. Um, And uh, yeah. I mean, it also like
0: on the even more depressing end of that, like of um, like, uh, you like labor aristocracy stuff mm-hmm. um, are like s- groups like the teamsters who did organize in artistic sectors, maybe not exactly museums, but like think about like film and television or think about like um, ones that have been like industries that are similar um, that have been organized for a really long time and, um, and they just kind of get more conservative because um, they're they they're able to organize enough to um uh, to kind of do the the uh uh I I got mine um right. I got I have a house in Long Island now um fuck off like there there's at a certain point it it, it the the, they the solidarity can make dissolves enough, no I yeah think it dissolves right. yeah but i think they, uh it's and they can
2: at, i think that can be ameliorated and uh it, but i think it's it's that i mean the power of having a lot of people's email address you know uh <laughs> which is one of the one of the main powers of a union um is having a very broad email address list and not necessarily to just like ask for $5, but to be able to show solidarity, like renter or tenant unions and art museum workers would not be, I think a very obvious, um, obvious to an outsider like coalition and, but this is how, like, you build movements is by being able to identify the common enemy and say it in really specific ways, and then uh, being able to. And I think each even other.
0: like the homeowner types can be reached, like you know, or like um, like I, oft- I I also think of like owner operator artists are kind of in this um, grouping as well, like the type of artists who. Uh, like you can either become Jeff Coons or you could become Nan Golden, um, and uh, yeah, and and it, 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 like I guess like it's it's kind of a a multi argument thing where you have to be like, well, what about your fucking children? They're not going to be able to do what you did. Like you know, it becomes like that argument. That becomes the next material argument or something.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, I guess, yeah, Sarah. I mean, you said something about like tenant unions and like art museum uh, unions not being sort of ob- having obvious connections to each other or something like that. And I, I guess I would, I mean, what that made me think of um, is the Museum of Fine Arts Boston, where I believe it was last year, there's a, a tenant union in, in Boston called the Greater Boston Tenants Union, and um, One of the sort of councils or associations that are organized, um, you know, sort of affiliated with the broader union have a landlord who is, I believe, either a board member or just a major donor or both at uh, Museum of Fine Arts Boston. And so the tenant Union did an action around this centered oh. on, on the museum. And I wrote, a, I remember I wrote a, a short sort of news article about it for Hyperallergic. And then, of course, uh, you know, as we know, the, the workers at this museum have since, mm-hmm. um, you know, organized. And I believe they did one of the few uh, examples of, of strike action mm-hmm. among museum unions that we've seen recently. Um, so I, I think in that case, like the connections actually like right there. Like, well, exactly. Like, but it's like, like, like that. Uh, <laughs> I mean,
2: one of the weird, one of a stupid thing to have realized at some point when I was like, man, why do all of these same names just show up everywhere? And it's like, well, like, cause there's a lot of jobs for rich people. There's a lot of shoes that rich people have to fill, but like their whole class depends on there not being a lot of them. (laughs) And so like, we have, we have these threads to almost every industry, um, just because we have an upper class that runs everything and they tend to run a lot of diff. they tend to have like their hands in a lot of different pots, which I thought was a really great thing to talk about um, in about, I believe it was, yeah, it was about Museum of Fine Arts Houston and how there's this revolving door of like clientele access on both ends as like, in if you're like an art collector wanting to get into real estate or if you're in real estate and wanting to get into art. Um, yeah so
1: yeah, yeah yeah totally do you want? should i should, i could i can break down the the houston section that
2: of, would be of awesome that. yeah
1: yeah yeah totally so like in the second installment of the piece the second half of it focuses on a, a houston area collector trustee named Fayez seraphim who is a you know a, a billionaire investment manager and in, long time, um, you know, reputed philanthropist in in Houston, an art collector. And um, in the first piece, yeah, I I call the kind of access that you get as a collector trustee um, to uh, access to control of the endowment, as well as access to the museum's ability to sort of uh, glorify and sort of confer value on art itself that kind of access I kind of call the the pump right
2: mm-hmm. and
1: Phis seraphim is a really a good example of sort of um, the multiple you know f- the forms of access that you get with the pump um, because his firm uh, manages the endowment for the Museum of Fine Arts Houston and What I did was I tallied um, the donations that his charity has made to that museum over the past 15 years, and the fees that that museum has paid to his investment firm over the same period. And Fayez Seraphim's firm has been paid more by the Museum of Fine Arts Houston for endowment management, than Fia Seraphim's charity has given uh, to the museum, right? And um, and then there's a sort of so that's kind of like um, you know the the endowment piece, right? And then the sort of Fia Seraphim as a collector, instrumentalizing the museum. That piece of it you can kind of look at separately. There was a big donation he made uh, for creating a wing that's, you know, named after himself and all of this. And the debut, you know, exhibit is of course, you know, his, his private collection and, you know, I, I don't need to explain how that, you know, ra- ra- raises the value of, of you know, all his assets. Right. Um, so yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. I, I also wanted to kind of go back to like, like I guess what I keep harping on, cause, cause I, I'm like, I feel like, yeah, we talk about tenants workers. And then I'm also talking about like artists and where all, all three of these groups fit in um, for like, and I and I'm thinking about things like, like in, in my neighborhood or in uh, Boyle Heights where um, it's uh, the, the more like grassroots tenant groups are just, they, they have, they, have a survival posture of like any art thing coming into our neighborhood is going to fuck with our neighborhood. <laughs> like um, the DIY space that's you know open to any everybody is going to fuck with our rents and fuck with our homes. And um, and, and they're not so, wrong, but then they're but... absolutely not <laughs> wrong. Uh, and and it's like meanwhile you have these downwardly mobile young people who maybe can't live where they grew up. Maybe they're trans from a conservative state with no trans healthcare. Maybe they are from uh, another part of the city that's being gentrified and they can't live where they grew up. Um, That's how I see it a lot of the time. And, or maybe they are like rich fucks invading. A space and 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 deservedly need to be targeted um sometimes i think it can be difficult to figure out who the target is and then also like i see i like i see even when we are really clear about who the target is like in my neighborhood it's this guy kermit westegard who is that's kind of the line that our um local tenant union has taken of like yes we are against uh, obviously we're all against the big developments um the 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 luxury towers obviously we're also against this guy kermit westegard who is like systematically buying up buildings and putting you know these trojan horse businesses for young professionals and like using his connections at fucking mckinsey and fucking uh, the New York Times and and the fucking ruling class media apparatus to pump uh, positive press about his businesses to attract more young professionals. So even when we have named this guy as a target, why am I still seeing my goddamn punk ass friends go to some of these businesses? <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I mean, you mentioned like, you know, Boyle Heights where obviously there's been a lot of like militant kind of anti-gentrification struggle and, and other kind of activism in, in recent years. And I, I don't want to like, you know, I, I think there's a lot of like contradictions and conflict, like even among people working in coalition mm-hmm. and in neighborhoods like that. But what, but what you made me think of is just, uh this past weekend, I was at the um, I was in LA. I was at the Autonomous Tenant Union Network convention, um, which was really cool. And kind Amazing. of the the sort of sponsoring, I guess you could say. I don't know the the host organization and the most sort of developed organization in the autonomous tendency of tenant unions was the Los Angeles Tenant Union. And so, you know, the Los Angeles Tenant Union was basically hosting people from all over the country at this convention and um one of the nights there was a there was a a after party at a multi-unit organized building in Boyle Heights that um is like a multi-generational multilingual uh multi-unit building and they've been on rent strike for two years I believe and they've successfully um defended tenants from several uh, individual tenants within from several eviction attempts. And, um, and yeah, and we were all invited to uh, this big block party. They shut down the street. People were dancing there was speeches There were you know, low riders, uh, cars cruising through doing hydraulics and all of that. Super fun. Wonderful,
2: and, um,
1: and I guess, yeah. So what, what you made me think of with um, respect to the, the, the militant posture against sort of interlopers that, you know, we've all read a lot about like in, in that neighborhood and some others is just, um, is just the fact that, uh, you know, and my experience down there, the, the organized tenants of Boyle Heights are very open to people who are sort of in the struggle with them, <laughs> you know, and we're actually like very gracious hosts, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, and they, you know, um, um, one of the founders of LA tenants union, Tracy Rosenthal is coming out with a book soon. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And, and the LA tenants union released a really good syllabus that I will post in the show notes about, um, it really laying out like houseless support, um, and how that is like connected to, to, to tenant stuff, um, really intrinsically and, um, I totally, well, I totally agree with it. Um, what I see in New York is like everybody's kind of um, burning themselves out doing a lot at once. Um, so it's like going after the big developer, going after the small developer, helping do critical support for houseless tenants uh, or tell ha- houseless neighbors, like um, doing food distribution, like it's a lot of work Um, and um, uh, yeah. And I, I'm not sure how to keep up sometimes um, with it all. Um, And yeah, so something that I keep coming back to is like, um, uh, trying not to disparage other organizations that are, that do have the capacity to do other stuff and not like fight amongst ourselves um i also there's something so interesting about like how in, in la there's you you're still capable of being able to shut down a the block and have have a party without prior permission it, whereas in new york um the NYPD runs the streets right. they run all the streets we can't do shit without like having some sort of um permit uh or else um it will get broken up immediately um yeah so i don't know that those are two things that really stri- strike me as like the, i just feel like like i'm like i see all this shit happening in la and i'm like yes and i agree and we're trying to do it here but it's like
2: I mean, it's I don't really think that LAPD is necessarily uh,
0: like. No, of course not. But what what's different? What is different about it that they can do that, and w- we seem incapable of doing that? Maybe over they did here. get a permit. Uh, I,
1: don't I don't know. know. There are no, no no permits pulled for okay. for this for this party.
0: It didn't sound like it? it
1: uh, only, uh, but uh, you know, it's but obviously it entailed like um, there was. You know, a defense, de- de- degree of support from from the whole block around around, and that ground. is a
0: form of defense. If you if you're confident that the entire block is organized and on board, yeah, then they're not going to play. You know, surveillance to the to the pagies to come. You know, clear Well, that's out the always block. the
2: whole thing is that, um, like, ultimately, humanity is <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> humanity is just like a bunch of people in a room together
1: so if you can, so if, if like the if, room if everybody
2: if everybody is in the room together on a block and you're like well i think we're just gonna do this actually
0: yeah i mean <laughs> it's it's i mean certainly that type of block party happens in new york yeah. or ha- has happened in new york but i'm just like i just feel so beaten down lately about it <laughs> like
2: <laughs>
1: yeah i mean I, when i was yeah i was in new york whenever that like not that long ago and i mean every time i'm in new york i'm 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 shocked by yeah the amount of cops everywhere yeah. the the, yeah. the fact that you know you sit down in a park and there's like police cruisers that roll by on the walkway with their lights shining like just because they can like that kind of thing market mm-hmm. difference from like where i live in in oakland where the, the per capita you know number of beat cops is like a tiny fraction of <laughs> what it is in new york
2: yeah and uh, uh we just cut a bunch of funding education a f- bunch of funding we for couldn't education hang on to anything <laughs> Lost, yeah. yeah, in order to, to get more cops. Yeah. Right.
0: So that's why we're kind of in, like, uh, a little bit of a funkin'. I don't know, like, do you, like, it's like, it's so nice to talk to West Coast people and, and Canadians. I love talking to Canadians, too, because I'm like, oh, yeah, you guys can, like, do some stuff. <laughs> right,
1: right. <laughs> um, yeah, totally.
0: I mean, our, our shit is... is infiltrated like you know we did a little like during the george floyd uprisings in in my neighborhood our tiny like neighbor like you know much less populated neighborhood than um you know the actions that were happening in brooklyn and manhattan um we had an undercover at our little event you know like like, yeah there's like photos going around today of like undercovers on the subway in Amazon and FedEx uniforms.
2: <laughs> like, they <can> do
0: whatever <laughs> they want. It's right. wild. Yeah, <laughs> but I think like I think it is like a if you think of it like a battlefield, like it, it it's going to be like uh, um a, a lot of like okay, well maybe once Amazon is more organized and like you know these are like, these could then be like allies and we can maybe grow that way and like counter the cops that way. Or like, and you know, it, it's also like, wow. Why, why? Like when I was reading through your piece, I had all these comments that I was sending to Sam where I was like, um, how, like, okay. We, we take over the board, the board, they're all, they all have their own army in the form of the cops, and so it's like, do we need to build up an army and like
2: well, <laughs>
0: to I, counter it?
2: They don't even need. I mean, at a certain point, I they're know. not even going to need the cops because they're going to have all those Boston Dynamic puppies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everybody has their own fleet.
1: Right,
0: right. Um, ex- experience artists will build for them. <laughs> <laughs> maker the maker fair will build for them
2: <laughs> i i'm um personally look forward to our uh feuding warlord era that is upcoming honestly
0: yeah
1: really? if it's gonna be this way <laughs> the balkan- balkanization, balkanization of yeah. the united states no, it's, yeah, I,
2: I, yeah it, it's uh what is it when is holy shit when is inuyasha set like the 1200s, 1300s. <laughs> Japan is putal, completely putal fractured. Into... <laughs> Sorry. Anyway. <laughs>
0: um, but yeah, I mean, obviously like David Graeber before he died, like wrote about um, the uh, ties between um, the museum and the police state. Um, if, uh I just, you know, along with supplanting the board of the museum, we have to we have to somehow dissolve or get like supplant the cops um, too. Um, <laughs> which is difficult because their whole job and why they are paid like three times what a teacher is paid at least, um, is so they they can, you know, be the little, like, you know, union busters, like, and, um, solidarity busters. And
2: well, yeah. uh, And I think it's why, like, I, I, I mean, you kind of talk about it, Sam, as if like it was just this super simple little thing that you went into researching this, but it's like some, it's some gumshoe shit. And like, that's the kind of very direct, um, like I was saying, like those are the very direct ties that we need to make in order for you to really, like abstractly, a lot of this makes sense, but you don't necessarily see it in your neighborhood until you start actually looking it up. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
2: And you you got to actually like confirm, all oh, right, like this stuff is real. Like this kind of, this nebulous political talk that we have all the time, it's based in reality. There's these material connections between struggles. Um, and it's important to be able to point those out and say, fuck this guy in particular. Um.
1: yeah 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 totally Um, yeah I mean you know I I, in the piece you know I make a lot of uh, I I use the example of kind of tenant organizing and you know and uh, you know I I focus when I'm looking at the endowment on museums investment and property markets and I think that just has a lot to do with my personal kind of preoccupations as someone who it's kind of coming out of doing some critical art writing and finding myself just like more and more focused on, on tenant organizing and feeling like I'm actually led there over mm-hmm. and over by the kind of research I've done, you know, as an arts reporter. Yeah.
2: Tenant, yeah, tenant I mean, organizing is, tenant unions is like the little black dress of,
0: uh, <laughs> it always fits. Yeah. It's always <laughs> fits any occasion.
2: Appropriate for, for anywhere and any, <laughs>
0: I mean, it's yeah. certain, like, certainly even, like, when I was coming out of school and feeling like, like, I don't know, like, because I went to SUNY Purchase and, like, I, I I had, like, tried really hard to get into the private art schools and do that route of, um, like, yeah, I'm going to be a fine artist. I'm going to do all the things. And, and then kind of I think going to SUNY Purchase really helped me ground my experience of like oh not everybody can do that or like not, not everybody is like a, a like is able to just like even if you try really like as I tried so I was such a big try hard in high school and like I was like yeah I and I, you know get I got into Micah RISD all the places and it's like um and and I could have like gone there and being in debt and there's tons of people who do that um and god bless and fuck that sucks but it's like um yeah there you i I ended up like thinking having to think about that position um in my undergrad and and i think after that was like well if i could just like have a place to live cheaply i could like kind of do a practice build out a practice in, in in the way i want to and then just finding that to be completely untenable and just having to take uh, day job after day job mm-hmm. of like, <laughs> and like being like, well, I'll do a day job and then I'll um, help out with the local DIY space. And then the DIY space can't function and can't stick together either. Like, you know, like <laughs> over and over again. Um, yeah.
2: Or oh, sorry, but, you need two day jobs now. Yeah. Now I need to, now
0: I have two day jobs to do. <laughs> <laughs> to do anything and I can't and I don't have time to make work um and it sucks but um I don't know I I think like I, I I agree with I I came to this conclusion too and I but now I think I'm and I and I was tenant organizing for like over six years or something and um now I'm at the point where I'm like kind of ready to give up because I'm just like feel like I'm putting my head against the wall there too. and I'm like
1: uh, you should you should have come to this to this au convention this past weekend. you'd be super inspired <laughs> again. <laughs> That's
0: what I really I really need that because I'm just like uh, yeah, it, it, um, it, it I don't know maybe maybe it's because I'm in the in the neighborhood I'm in and it's it's just being so inundated heavily right now. Um, and I'm, I literally work in the epicenter of it and have to see it every day. And, (laughs) And, um, and maybe I'm part of the problem too. And then that becomes like a whole like existential crisis of like, are you part of the Kermit squad or are you outside of it enough, you know, Kermit, my shorthand for like small, smaller landlords are, <laughs> <that are> popular <laughs> with
2: after the guy <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's his name Kermit West <laughs>
1: Kermit squad <Got> <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I, you know what I mean like it starts to g- get fuzzy and then like I don't know um,
2: but that's again a, like, a situation where like it's it's that like um, connecting your work elsewhere to the other work elsewhere uh because there does need to be like uh, yeah yeah I, yeah I, 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 yeah totally
1: yeah I, mean. I i think like i don't know i i think like a lot of people who work in the arts or are artists are always asking themselves like how can i like conduct myself uh ethically within this like vexed uh, contradictory economic nice. sector, <laughs> you know, when like over I, and when, over again. <laughs> when I and I and I think like that question, you know, I'm, I understand it. I've, I've been there, but um, I, I just think, you know, it's it's um, it's not the same as asking yourself, like, um, you know, how can I oppose and like undermine and attack um, capital? uh landlords the Mm -hmm. state and i think Mm -hmm. if you ask yourself those questions then like what to do starts to become a little bit more clear that is a really (laughs) special yeah i
2: love that Uh, especially
1: if especially if you find people whether or not they're also in the arts who are asking themselves the same question
0: it's a lot easier to do with a group of people who are all willing to ask that question together is what I will say well, and ask puts, that question it's in also person. Real,
2: like being on the offensive instead of constantly playing defense, which is what a lot of people you're trying to like – say well if I, if I don't act this way and I don't do this and I don't whatever if I disengage here here and here then maybe I'm I'm being better and it's it's more like no how are you going to smash the motherfucker? <laughs> yeah yeah I
1: mean there's some somewhere somewhere in the piece and I, I'm like you know I, yeah there's like this sort of false question around like participation or abstention like mm-hmm. do I do I do I just hit eject or, you know, continue along the way or whatever. And, um, yeah. And I, I just think like that those are the kind of not the most important questions. I think the most important questions are about Mm -hmm. like clarifying your enemy and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, clarifying your collective strategy for, uh, defeating them.
0: Yeah. And I think if like someone has like, if you feel like someone has identified you as the enemy and you're not, the enemy you're not uh, you're, you're not you're you gotta just remember you're not the enemy you are not a <laughs> landlord and you are not an employer or like <laughs> um like you know these types of things and um, then
2: also not everybody has to like you
0: I mean that's yeah <laughs> I mean that's, it's that's helpful
2: in general but like.
0: but I, yeah I don't know like to me it like it's like okay we we all have a lot of clarifying to do Um, and like, you know, being, being in the the epicenter of a gentrifying neighborhood, like that, it feels like there's a lot of like tensions between two, like different, um, radical groups, um, that are both clearly in alignment, um, in everything, but like, uh, who has been there longer or who is, um, more oppressed along um you know different language justice immigrant justice like uh lines um yeah that what you're talking about sam really going in and clarifying enemies together like in person i think is really important
1: (laughs) yeah totally and and i think like yeah and i think like the that clarifying process like um, you don't need like the the vocabulary that I I use in this piece like I think most people can you know perceive the way that they're you know sort of um, dominated and inhibited you know by their boss by the cops by their landlord and you know there's there's really simple questions to ask that where we can sort of bring that out of each other
0: yeah, no, that's it's so true, uh, and I apologize for getting into um, despair mode. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just like, uh, I'm like, despair, oh, the the line yeah. between artist and tenant is, uh, or like art worker and tenant. Yeah, got there, done that. Yeah. Okay, next. <laughs> like, <I'm> like, <laughs> yeah. Totally.
2: No, you gotta be like uh, the the bodhisattva that just waits outside of. <laughs> Outside of nirvana. <laughs> well, the, the,
0: the plus part about being in the epicenter of, like, um, a lot of shit happening is that you can agitate people and you can make connections. Like, you, you literally, like, you kind of become a connector where you're like, oh, you live in the same building. Just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> like... <laughs> totally.
2: and,
0: and I feel like that's kind of become my work more lately. Yeah. Um, than like taking up space and like uh, leadership positions and things or whatever oh, yeah, no, I, yeah. <laughs> more like, okay, now you guys go talk. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it, it, but yeah, I don't know. It's a struggle. And I also like feel for people who, um, who are working artists, um, you know, because like, they're constantly having to, to take like, um, the easily identifiable blood money um, that for some reason like is, is people can like understand easier than their own jobs <laughs> or something. Um, uh, and, and, and they're kind of like put on a, a special pl- platform where it's like, you know, the artist has to not do their artwork because this is so evil but I'm still going to go do my stupid job at fucking target every day or whatever, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
2: I think it'd be yeah, a lot of times, um, it's, it's kind of like how the trolley problem gets really unproductive at a certain point <laughs> because it just becomes about like, well, what are you personally willing like to keep on your conscience as like an indiv- individual, uh, would yeah, you- and it's also, like, uh, it's, like, yeah, why, like, it's, Or, like, again- did you guys ever play that, like, Google <laughs> Google was trying to, like, they did a survey. Oh, no, it wasn't Google, but there was a, a, a survey you could take online that was basically, like, going to feed data into um, autonomous cars on, like, who to crash into. <laughs> so it would give you, oh like, God. who would you crash into, this child inside the car or old person outside the car? <laughs> You know what I mean? So also trolley problem in a very unproductive way.
0: Like like a um, a Turing test um, that's training an AI, uh, the Tesla AI to um, hit children and not businessmen or something.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, what I I thought that I gamed it, but I doubt that it was actually picked up in it. Where I was just like, well, anyone in the car should die. <laughs> They made the decision to get into the car. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A little off topic, but...
1: Oh yeah, I, I like that. I mean, one of my favorite types of like East Bay or Berkeley crank is like the the cyclist with like a laminated sign strung to their back that's like yeah. "Stop driving," you know. You know like... <laughs> I made a I made a I made some like I made like a a, a spoke card for my bike recently <laughs> in in homo- in homage to them. It says like. <laughs> It says, uh, "Spare the air, drink gasoline." <laughs> 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 okay, but okay, I do want you
0: to like uplift us a bit with like how the conference, like what were some um, like important moments for you. <laughs>
1: The conf. Oh, the, o- the the conference.
0: Yeah, besides the like block party after <laughs> <laughs> that part of it.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, I mean that was part of it. I mean, I I was really impressed by, um, sort of as I've kind of indicated, like learning about the um the sort of uh, the depth and unity and solidarity of the LATU organization, um, within Los Angeles, um, you know, uh, you know, I, I, like I said, I, I, saw sort of a multi-generational, multilingual sort of working class, um, group of, of tenants, um, that are, you know, very, um, advanced, like developed politically and, organizationally I, and they have, yeah. you know, uh, 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 you know, I, and what I observed from all the people from all the cities coming together was that, um, you know, a, a fair amount of unity around the, the, pretty hard line against nonprofits, um, which I was heartened by and, um, around, uh, and mm-hmm. serious, uh, serious look at kind of the, um, you know, most effective kind of tactics for confronting landlords directly and applying social pressure in order to make them meet tenants' demands. That's also
0: great to hear. I mean, that was the coalition in New York in, you know, the 60s and 70s that won, like, massive, massive rent control. Um, But I wonder if, if, if you see a big um really materially great reform like that on the horizon that could ultimately um undermine uh larger political goals from a coalition like that um and end up like yeah New York now um and maybe like that's a, another reason why New York is in the the place that it, it is in versus LA maybe generationally um like people are still benefiting from that. I often compare it to um, Thatcher buying all the workers' apartments, or le- like allowing them to become owners of their apartments as a, as a way to ulti- Ultimately, that's what the, the the ruling class threw that bone to undermine that um, incredible uh, rainbow coalition of people that came
1: together. Right. Yeah, I mean, I guess like in the tenant union, I'm a part of, you know, we say that, uh, you know, reforms are a consequence of the um, power we build outside of electoral politics. Yep. Um, And I I saw, um, you know, I perceived a a lot of kind of unity around that line among the the autonomous tenant unions, which I found really heartening. Yeah, that is heartening. And the position on nonprofits is heartening. I wonder how they came to that
0: conclusion.
1: Um, Uh, I think it's pretty straightforwardly from experience in trying to work in coalition with, um, some of the, you know, more established, um, private foundation backed, uh, housing organizations. Yeah. And being being uh, burnt and being burnt.
0: (laughs) I I wonder what it's going to take for that to happen here. Cause like, yeah, it feels like, um, a lot of, um, a lot of the the orgs that help immigrants and help tenants um, autonomously uh, get absorbed into the nonprofit industrial complex, um, like one by one. And it's very depressing. <laughs> um, and, uh, and there does like, and I, and I, and I don't know how to like build a, a case against like the housing justice uh, activists, who have kind of steered us in that direction for a long time. Um, and how to disrupt, um, some of that losing strategy. (laughs) Uh, it's, it's, it's difficult. (laughs) Uh, but uh, yeah, not, not that people didn't know that at one point in New York that, you know, uh, that the, the nonprofits aren't going to save us. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it just feels like a lot of like Sisyphean <laughs> bullshit, I don't know.
2: Yeah, I mean, like I I feel like what I try to remind myself is that like these people take seminars and classes and entire industries revolve around how to suppress these movements, you know. Mm-hmm. And if you have a ton of money and backing on your side to like come up with a bunch of ways to destroy kind of small scale local power then, um, and, and we don't have that. Like I was listening, I was just like listening to something and they're talking about like, Oh, well, you know, like, why can't we do what the tea party did? And it's like, well, the tea party had Coke money. <laughs> like, <laughs> like a lot of it. Like a lot of Coke money. So it's not right. really like, it's, it's a little Sisyphusian, but it's, I think like it's, it's not, it's never going to be easy, I guess, like ever. Um, but it, we just have more people. So it's always, it's going to work out.
1: eventually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
0: totally. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what it's going <laughs> to, I don't know if I don't, yeah, I guess it's like, it, it, yeah, the type of strategies that the, the, like, that we're getting to now are like not appropriate to record on a podcast. So it's um <laughs> <laughs> it's like that that time of the episode, I suppose. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, the sun uh, set on
2: the East Coast and uh <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: uh yeah. Uh but yeah obviously um it's it's it th- this type of conversation comes out with someone like You, Sam, who is like just extremely researched and dedicated to um, thinking through this stuff. And um, I I appreciate you like going on our little like meandering kind of journey here because it's a lot to unpack, Um, you know, not only like, you know, uh, our our power as workers, our power as tenants, you know. Um, and then their power as trustees and, um, developers and also bosses and also, you
2: know, I just love when someone has a beat.
0: Artists like love to say like, Oh, I just have so many hats. And it's like, okay, now you have to like organize all your hats.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right, 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 right. Um, yeah, totally, totally. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think uh what to maybe go out on are we at that point?
0: yeah i I feel like I, yeah, I, if you have anything upcoming, I'd love to hear about it. um I'll, you know also would love. Uh, the physical edition to distribute.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, it would be it would be cool. Um, yeah, they're like free to anyone who just like gives me or the lab an address, and then we'll get a copy. And of course, I'll, I'll send you a stack. Um, so yeah. yeah, if if we could plug that in the in the notes somewhere, that'd be cool. Yeah, um, everyone can
2: uh, read all three articles that are out now on the thelab.org. Um, yeah, and if
0: you're anywhere near San Francisco you should be supporting stuff like the lab mm-hmm. um, these are our spaces we must protect that <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah I don't know maybe um maybe the last kind of thing I'll say about the piece is especially the third installment I mean there's things in it that are like totally in tension right like like a lot of how i've been talking is um sort of uh premised on kind of like you know uh, as if like the museum is the state and the workers are gonna seize power and then it's gonna be like uh you know the the workers museum right and like you can kind of call that (laughs) horizon that horizon like you know the kind of, like, workers' self-management as, like, the the horizon of, like, museum struggle or whatever. But, you know, at the, at the end of the piece, I kind of try to just, like, blow that up a little bit because, you know, I, I, I think of the horizon myself more as, like, the abolition of museums. I, I think, like, everything, um, you know, um, uh, you know, I, I, I write in there about, like, museums maintain like a hierarchy of aesthetic practice, but it's not really like what we think. It's not really that like museums only allow in like certain kinds of cultural expression or whatever. Like I think, you know, recent it's decade. Not,
0: meaning, meaning it's not a problem of representation. It's not a problem of... Yeah. Um, yeah. If we just, if we, because some people they say, they see democratized museums and they think like that means, okay, Let's uh get like uh what is the word de De-acqu- deacquiesce? What is it? I forgot what it's called. Like deacquisition, <laughs> yeah. a, a bunch of our Warhols, Which fuck Warhol? Who cares? <laughs> and 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 then try to make our collection equitable that some somehow.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean. I think, uh, you know, I mean, I'll just read like the very end here. It's like, you know, the, the liberation of proletarian aesthetic energy is not the freedom to be an artist. It's the disintermediation of social production. Museum's hierarchy of aesthetic practice primarily subordinates this form of creativity, the emergence of communist life and an already existing tendency towards revolt against the wage relation worker self-management of museums is a vision of freeing art from the ruling class when what we need is to free ourselves from art. Boom. Boom. Got him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: you know, and, and like I said, I think that's like an in, intention with a lot of sort of the, the writing elsewhere in the piece. And that's an interesting tension to me. And I, the one that I feel like I kind of live in and I don't want to, present what i'm saying as like more consistent than it is cuz i think it's inconsistent in some ways no, and i love the
0: part where you're like treat this as a living document or like like you can just like 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 a, like a, like a ready made and it's gone like you know like it's like <laughs> oh
1: yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. In, instant litter yeah yeah
0: instant litter i love it. i love taking that um like being very clear about that like like because yeah that's part of it because like in 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 the liberation in in that you're describing it's like um none of this would be as precious as to even categorize it as art it it would just be it would just Mm -hmm. um be our lives like it liberation it is more than art people get afraid like or people want to Categorize, like, categorize liberation as We'll just all be artists And it's like no 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 we will all be Yeah, <laughs> like, we Yeah Like That's how we gotta think about it Like nothing none of this like shit is, Gotta let it go
1: Oof. Yeah.
0: Okay, yeah. don't worry. We're all <laughs> in this together. We're all going to take this plunge together. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that it invokes that type of conversation and thanks so much for coming back on our podcast to talk,
1: talk about it. For sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Um <laughs> all right. Let's <I'll>, uh, <laughs> see you in the streets. Yeah. Let's, let's have, have fun. fun out there.
0: Lots of fun. Let's have fun.
2: It's